You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries, and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and, of course, at www.thefireplacechurch.org. Now, I want to say in respect to the Fireplace Church that... Uh, we meet at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time every Sunday evening. This July 4th weekend, which technically would be Sunday, July 2nd, we are not going to be streaming a live service. Uh, we anticipate that a lot of you are going to have plans and things and so on and so forth. And so we'll be taking that week off. Furthermore, uh, we are going to be moving in a slightly different direction, as I announced last week. And there is going to be a transition um, into what I'm calling a large group fireplace church service. So uh, after, or I should say beginning, July 16th, we're actually going to be uh, meeting in a uh, conference-style manner. In, in other words, what that means is instead of going to the fireplacechurch.org and watching it there or on my Facebook page or wherever you have been watching the Fireplace Church, many of you, it's just simply the archives that go to YouTube. Uh, we're going to be hanging out and I'm going to be there live and we're going to be talking through some notes I'll prepare and I think it's going to be a really good time. Very similar feel to the conferences that we've done. And um, so that that is going to happen July 16th. We're going to kind of experiment with that. Uh, our current thought is that we'll be doing a back and forth. So every other week 
we will do a large group and then on the other weeks we'll be doing it as we have with the production and live groups afterwards. Now, if you're saying, how do I become part of that live group? I, I think that would be really cool to just sit down and talk about some really neat things in a large group type setting and have fellowship that way. Well, at our website, broadmovement.com, you can go to the classes and events tab. And there you will find a uh, uh, a post. It's the Fireplace Church logo there, but it says free the Fireplace Church live online service sign up. And all you have to do is go click that and sign up. Um, you can either use the, uh, you know, sign up function or you can actually purchase the class which is zero dollars and and either way we will be able to uh, take your email and send you a direct invite so you can join that time of fellowship on july 16th i also have to make a mention that uh, we are going to be doing our sheep nations and the end of the age online conference part one beginning july 7th and so it's going to be friday saturday sunday july 7th 8th and 9th and i know a lot of you that have participated in classes in the past were very interested in this subject i find it fascinating myself talking about some of these things i don't uh, really ever get into this material. So you're, you're not hearing it on the podcast. Uh, you're not hearing me preach it when um, I, I travel and speak when, when I do have that opportunity. It's, it's just not being presented really at all. You, you can get it from my book, Kingdom Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations, and that's about it. So uh, if you want to you know, join a conference and get teaching on some mm, subjects, I just have not really been getting into in, in, a, in a verbal verbally taught format join that conference you can uh just go to the same place the classes and events tab at bridemovement.com and sign up everything are on our new and upgraded website is all integrated so you need to go to one place and you can take care of everything right there just go to bridemovement.com classes and events now with that said uh we are ever so grateful to those of you that continue to support us financially uh by supporting bride ministries you are supporting this podcast you're supporting our uh continual effort to create tools and equipping for the body of christ you're supporting survivors um, that we will fund and underwrite with a portion of our budget you are uh, advancing the kingdom of God because I'll tell you what there are thousands of people that follow us and and, and, and it's growing and you know I just want to thank all of you that pray for us and cover us <laughs> the level of warfare we're in on a regular basis is it's just very very high level and and I'll tell you what we take all the prayers we can get so you know um I just want to say thank you for our supporters in general. Now, if you have been considering supporting us financially and you are not quite sure how to do that, it's very simple. You can go to bridemovement.com or thefireplacechurch.org. There are donate buttons there. I am moving. <laughs> so uh, we, we are going to be getting a new P.O. box. With that said, I'm not going to give our P.O. box in this podcast. By next week's podcast, I will have a new P.O. box I will be giving out so just anticipate that that is a shift that's happening. We are getting a new P.O. box. With that said, we're going to talk about some really cool stuff this week, guys. I don't have a guest. It's just me. And I'm going to be telling you about keys, doors, realms, and the kingdom of God. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall.
This is Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and we're sitting down to talk about keys, doors, realms, and the kingdom of God. I have no guests this week. I'm just going to be talking to you. I've actually uh, been a little bit behind on booking guests, but you know, uh, I, I think what we're going to be talking about this week is actually really, really cool. The reason why we're having this conversation this particular week is because I was, uh, well, just actually told this weekend in prayer that this is what I'm supposed to talk about. So I figured it'd be a good way to go. You know, uh, a famous preacher once said, I have a very simple strategy. I pray and I obey. The cool thing about that strategy is that it rhymes. It has a nice ring to it and it works. Uh, So here I am. I'm here to talk about keys, doors, realms, and the kingdom of God. And, you know, I I, I think that um, there's, well, unfortunately, not a whole lot that's talked about on, on some of these subjects on an average Sunday morning, but that's why I'm here, you know. I, um, I'm really excited to talk to those of you that are listening to me because you want to, and I'm also excited to talk to those of you that are listening to me because someone told you about me and you feel really awkward to be listening to someone like me because you're maybe religious or you just don't uh, quite understand why someone would talk about things like dissociation and other realms and uh, weird mechanics of the spirit. But, you know, I I, I just want to let everybody that's listening to this program know I love you and I really appreciate you regardless of what reason you're listening to me. Some of you actually listen to me because you're a witch or warlock and you're on assignment to send curses against me in my ministry. I just want you to know that I love you too. And and so does Jesus, you know. And, and I, I just want to appeal to you... Um, the, there's a better way uh, than serving darkness and evil for those of you that are just evil people. But with that said, you know, we're going to be talking about keys, doors, and and realms. And I, I really, really feel like I also need to speak very specifically to some, you know, you know maybe there's more than one person. But, you know, you're actually listening to this program because someone came to you and said, oh, man. You need to listen to this guy and you're listening to me, but you have carried into this experience a a predetermined judgment that you're actually purposing to find something wrong with what I'm saying. So you can tell the person that's listening to me, you shouldn't listen to this guy. Here's my list of reasons why. So, so you... Um, I love you too, man, or woman of God, because I know that you love Jesus. Uh, but I, I do want to encourage you, because you know who you are, to um, not carry the predetermined judgment in, because, you know, you may listen to me, and the Holy Spirit may actually speak to you and say, and this is actually for you, and um, you, you get a blessing. So, you know, anyway, I'm, I'm done talking to those of you that are listening to me. I just, you know, God bless all of you. And, and, and this week I am talking about keys, doors, realms, and the kingdom of God. I, uh, you know, I have actually been doing quite a bit with this. And, and I think that the truth is before we get to keys, we, we, we actually have to talk about realms. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, what? What do you mean by realm, Daniel? Is that word even in the Bible, realm? I I don't get it. Well, truth be told, the word realm actually is in the Bible. Um, Frankly, uh, (laughs) it's used in more than one occasion. Now, 
In Second Chronicles 20.30, it says, Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. In Ezra 7.13, it says, I issue a decree that all those people of all those of the people of Israel and the priests and Levites in my realm who volunteer to go up to Jerusalem may go with you. Uh, you know, in Daniel 1.20, it says, And in all manners of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. You know, some people try to speak uh, against me saying, Well, Dan Duvall uses weird language, so he must be a cult leader or a New Eager because he uses words like realm and dimension. Well, <laughs> Realm is in the Bible. Dimension? Okay, I, I get that. But, you know, we, we, we can uh, talk about... I have other podcasts on that. We're talking about realms today. Realms is definitely biblical. I just gave you three verses. But what we have to understand when we begin to talk about realms is that realms are both spiritual and physical. Realms are both spiritual and physical. And that's what we really need to understand when we begin to talk about keys, doors, realms, and the kingdom of God. Because... Just like a realm can be in the natural, you can have a realm in the spirit. And just like you can have a realm with like a region, maybe like a castle with a gate around it or a wall around it with a gate and what's contained inside, that, that would be a realm with a door that is unlocked with a key, right? Because you need a key to unlock the gate to open up the realm that's the castle. Okay, right, we get that in the natural I'm here to tell you that in the spirit, there are realms that can be a castle or any other kind of thing. And they can maybe have a wall around them or some other kind of construct and a gate or a door with a lock and a key will unlock that thing. And and so we're, we're actually here to talk about this principle today because the, the ramifications of this concept are humongous. And um, they're going to actually be very necessary for some of you listening to this program because I, I believe that God... God has certain uh, things that he wants to unlock to his people, and, and that unlocking is going to come in different forms and fashions, and we're going to talk about that today. So I'm really excited about this program. Now, you know, uh, stepping back from from realms, like as, as just like a biblical sense, what, what, what you're seeing that word used for in the Bible, you know, um, directly... <laughs> when we begin to talk about spiritual realms and not these geographic regions um we are actually talking in some cases about uh, heavenly places and uh, that's a very important thing to understand and um you know just to walk through some of these scriptures that would deal with uh spiritual realms you would find something like ephesians six twelve, which says for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You know, that term at the end of this passage in Ephesians 6.12, which is a centerpiece of you know a lot of spiritual warfare preaching, you could say, is this idea that all of these beings, these principalities, these powers, these rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness are in a something called heavenly places. They're in something called heavenly places. Very, very important to understand that. So um, they are not necessarily going to always be in your house, although some of you do have demons in your house, and that's why you're listening to me talk. But a lot of these high-ranking powers are going to have their, their realm, and it's a heavenly place. And that's why Ephesians 6.12 says these things are in the heavenly places. 
Um, but it's interesting when you begin to get into this, uh, you know, word search on heavenly places, you find another passage like Ephesians 2.6. And it says there, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, you know, the, the confusion can set in right away because you feel like, well, if heavenly places are just one thing, then how are all of these principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual of wickedness in the same heavenly places that we're raised up into in Christ Jesus? That's so confusing. And well, the answer is, well, no, it's not that confusing. It's, it's not, it's just not that, you know, obscenely simple. <laughs> you know, many, many things as, as we begin to truly seek the Lord on the subject and unpack it, uh, become, you know, a little bit more complex than we originally thought it would be. Uh, just like science, you know, you can go from Newtonian physics to quantum physics. And you realize that while Newtonian physics does have some merit, it's not truly accurate. And uh, the smaller you go, like, you know, you move from large objects falling out of, say, an airplane to, you know, electrons moving around an electromagnetic field. Like, you realize that you, the, the, the physics that may help you understand how a box accelerates from a plane to the ground before it smacks that ground, um, you know, cannot really be applied to how electrons move through a field. But when fully understood, uh, the physics that would describe an electron could be applied to how a box falls through the sky. And, you know, so so we learn that as, as we take a journey with God, often he, the, the mechanics and the understanding and the revelation just keeps going deeper and deeper. And we realize once we hit a certain point that a new framework is birthed in us that is not quite what we thought it was. But when we begin to apply it to what we observe, it makes everything make even more sense. Well, anyway, um, when it gets to the conversation on heavenly places, what you see is that there are heavenly places in different regions. And, and I would break it down and say simply heavens. You know, the Bible in Genesis 1.1, it, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that word heavens is the word Shemaim, which is a plural Hebrew word. And, of course, I get into this in my book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions in the Kingdom of God, which, if you haven't read it, this is a shameless plug. It's a good book. Um, the idea is that there is more than one heaven. And uh, as, as we get into a study on this, what we realize is that well, there's probably three, according to the Bible at least, because Paul, in Second Corinthians 12, references... Uh, the third heaven is being a location of paradise. And, you know, I just tell people, well, you know, if third heaven is paradise, what is the second heaven? Well, yeah, th that's the difference between um, the realm in which we're raised up and seated together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that would be third heaven, and the realms where the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness are habitating, which is second heaven. It's beneath the third heaven. It's beneath the realm of paradise. It's beneath the realm of God's kingdom. And, and um, so the Bible also says in Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Christ, right? So, you know, one of the cool things I like to get into, and if you did not catch the Fireplace Church series on In Christ or take our In Christ 
discipleship class. I really want to encourage you to do both, but I'll tell you what, you know, Jesus Christ is the realm of his own kingdom. It's it's profound, it's powerful, it's radical. That truth alone will just blow your mind. But, you know, Jesus as a location or habitation, as a spirit who is simultaneously a realm, he uh, is where we are raised up and seated and he is where we are blessed with spiritual blessings and and so you know engaging in interaction with jesus is um part of our uh christianity is intended to be and 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 these heavenly places are located actually in the spirit realm, right? Because that's where, where Jesus is, in the spirit realm. Uh, the kingdom of God is in the spirit realm. The kingdom of darkness is in the spirit realm. And so what we begin to understand is that there are heavenly places that are realms. And, and what you have to understand, too, is that places is a plural word, you know, he- heavenly places. In the third heaven, there are many places. There, there is just a lot. Right. Um, as we begin to navigate it through the word of God, what we find is that there is a throne room, there is an inner court, there is an outer court. There are houses or mansions that are associated with that third heaven paradise, which are our inheritance in Christ Jesus. There are war rooms. There's all kinds of stuff. There are councils. There are courts. I mean, you, there's a ton of stuff going on in these realms. But then when you get beneath that and go into the second heaven, there's even more because you know, uh, you, you have, I, I believe, um, the, you know, planets and different components of our universe, our second heaven territory, but beyond third dimension type regions where you have like physical planets and stuff like that, you have spiritual territories in the fourth and fifth dimensions and so on and so forth. And uh, spirit beings that are there and do all kinds of stuff and all of it is well, trying to interface with the earth. And so uh, you, you, you have a really uh, complex situation going on with these heavenly places. And there's many of them. There's many places in the second heaven. There's many places in the third heaven. As a matter of fact, on the earth, there's many places. Anyone that's, you know, navigated the earth for a little while knows that your house is not my house. My house is not your house. America is not China. And China is not India. They're all different places. And well, it's the same thing. If earth has all these places, just imagine how many more places you'd find in the second heaven or even the third heaven. It's it's this idea, right? So you have all these places in, and they're located in different regions, first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. And, you, you know, so getting, 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 that bit of foundation, um, we, we really begin to get a grid for, okay, if we are going to be a spiritual company of people, and if we are going to uh, walk in the fullness of our inheritance, which involves us inheriting all these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, we're going to have to engage these realms. That That's part of it. We, we don't see, and, and this is where people really mess up in their Christianity. They, they think that everything is supposed to be practical, hands-on, religious. So you go to a physical church, you sit in a physical pew, you sing a song with your physical voice, and you hear a message with your physical ears that's supposed to make you feel better, and then you go home and you've fulfilled your religious duty for the week. Like that, that is so anti-biblical and, and, and backwards thinking and, and absolutely void of real relationship. You know, we, we are a spiritual company of people. The Bible is a spiritual book. It's a supernatural book. And we have to keep in mind, like, well, you know, our job is to engage a spiritual God. And, and you know, the Bible says, 
you know, the Lord is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, not, not in flesh and in truth, or even soul and in truth. The Bible says we're supposed to worship him in spirit and in truth. And and so getting acclimated to engaging spiritual realms is actually part of what we're here to do. You know, I describe the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in a very simple way. I say the kingdom is the realm in which God is king. That realm is the composite of all of these heavenly places in Christ Jesus and the throne of God and the throne room of God and the council rooms and the what you like all of this is components of the kingdom of God. It's a realm. And so when we begin to talk about the kingdom, we talk about the realm in which God is king. And um, our job as kingdom citizens is to engage that realm because we are here on earth, but we have the um, mandate to live out of the resources of the realm in which God is king. This is actual kingdom living. It's an exchange between realms. It's living life without the limitations of physical 3D earth. See, when the Bible says we are in the world but not of the world, that doesn't mean that your value system means you're supposed to surrender all of the wealth-making capacity to Illuminati people and be poor and be broke and keep your eyes, quote-unquote, only on heavenly things live like a monk on a hill in a shack and just pass away your days so you can make God happy because you're doing less sin than the next guy. Like, no, it's see, these religious ideas are so uh, wrong. And uh, what, what that means that we're in the world but not other world, meaning that we are exchanging and trading out of a realm that is beyond anything we can ask, think, or imagine called the kingdom of God. That, right? So we are in the world with our physical body, but we're not of the world. We are citizens in heaven. So the Bible says in Philippians that uh, we are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So spiritually, we're actually displaced and we're designed to engage, interface, operate in this realm of heaven. And that is the kingdom of God. And that's it. So, you know, kingdom kingdom thinking really changes our grid. And if you haven't taken our kingdom class at Bride Ministries, I also highly recommend taking that next time we offer it. I mean, um, you know, sometimes when I get to talking, I, I just think like, oh, you know, for someone listening to me for the first time, this is going to really be uh, a, a lot to take in. But you know, there's a, so much foundation that's made we've made available, and, and I just want to encourage you to take advantage of that, especially if you know you find it kind of hard to digest everything I might be saying, like in a program like this one. But anyway, you know, the the kingdom of God is the realm in which God is king. We're designed to interface with it, and and um, you know, beneath that there is a kingdom of darkness, and it's spiritual. It's a spiritual kingdom, and there are many sub kingdoms within that kingdom. You know, there's the underwater kingdom. There's uh, different kingdoms of entities that turn space, and uh, it, you know, different principalities have their own kingdoms and stuff like that. We'll talk a little bit about that later on in the program. But you know, you have all these things going on, and uh, it, it you know people engage it in the spirit realm. Uh, an interesting thought that I want to point out before we go further is that not only is Jesus a realm, but so is the Father. 
And in John 17, verse 20 through 21, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And, and, and the idea here is that not only are we placed in Christ, I like to use the word Hotel Jesus, because just like you would walk into a hotel, we enter into Jesus Christ. We go through him. But when we go into that hotel, Hotel Jesus, when we go into that realm of Jesus Christ, Jesus is the realm of his own kingdom, we have access to the realm that is the Father. And Jesus is actually inside Hotel Father. <laughs> and the Father is in Hotel Jesus. So through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and the door, we're actually able to enter another realm called the realm of the Father and engage with him, the, the uh, Father of lights and the, uh, the ultimate um, power of all things. So, you know, I, I, I just want to point that out. There's this principle that I, you know, begin to coach people. And when they begin to understand the spirit realm, I say, in order to understand the spirit realm, the first shift in your grid, you, you really have to understand that spirits are realms. So you will have realms in the spirit. You may have planets, you may have this, you may have whatever. But spirits themselves are realms. And this is modeled through Jesus. He is a realm. This is modeled through us because we ourselves are realms. And we can also have realms that are extensions of our inheritance in Christ. Jesus um, has a whole lot to say about this when he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. Why? Because he went to prepare a place for us. So there is us and there is the inheritance that is the mansion that's found in the Father's house, which is heaven. And that you know, reference in John 14 is prepared for us as a work of what Jesus did when he died and then resurrected and came again as he was in resurrection. So we have this inheritance, this heavenly inheritance. I um, have seen mine and I've helped others to connect with theirs during different sessions and all of that. And they're definitely there. You know, there, there's these inheritances, these plots, these mansions, these, they're, they're more like estates truly. And, 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 and they're already allocated to us and they will even contain things that we are supposed to source into this world uh, throughout our assignment, for instance, in my heavenly place, that's my mansion. I remember when I was taking the tour, one of the things God showed me was a, it was like a storehouse and there was a lot of wealth in there. And that to me said, well, God has already funded everything that I'm called to do. So my job isn't to figure out how to get God to provide my needs. My job is to agree with the fulfillment of the needs that I have that's already been established by the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's, it's really cool when you begin to have the shift in your grid based on heavenly revelation. And so anyway, when, when we begin to talk about realms, realms is an umbrella term, like I was saying before. And uh, there's a lot of different types of realms. We have realms in the third heaven. We have realms in the second heaven. We have realms in the first heaven. That's earth, you know, like China, India, Japan, whatever. Those are all realms. They're, they're kingdoms, right? And that would get back into the more biblical, like the way the Bible uses the term realm in a general sense. All through the Old Testament, every time that word is used, it's referring to some kind of piece of geography or an area under the jurisdiction of a king or a government. Um, so, you know, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying you have realms in the third heaven, you have realms in the second heaven, realms in the first heaven. And 
uh, truly, if you get into the details like we have in some of our work with Illuminati survivors, people that have been through the satanic ritual abuse and all the stuff that we have to understand to get the work done, we, we have run into different types of realms as follows. I've, I've, I've run into realms that are comprised of human spirit. I've run into realms that are made of other spirits. There are realms that are like inside of demons or heavenly powers. The, uh, Jesus Christ himself is a realm. Um, the Father is a realm, like I just pointed out from the Word of God. Uh, there are realms that are made of human soul matrix, and that would be actually distinguished from realms that are made from human spirit. Uh, and it, it just the, um, hmm, the the number of clarifications the Lord has had to bring to our understanding in order to get a grid for everything we're dealing with is quite extensive. And I don't plan to take you through all of that because this is a you know program. I'm just talking you through some things I think will help you. But uh, you know, just me saying this I think may help some people uh, depending on where the Lord has you in your journey. You know, so there are realms made of human soul matrix. Uh, I point out that in the parable of the sower, the sower goes out to sow, and what is he sowing? He's sowing on different types of territory. He's sowing on stony ground, thorny ground, wayside ground, good ground. And what is a ground but a territory or a realm? And when you read the passage, you know, and you read Jesus explain the passage, he says that um, the thief comes to immediately steal the seed that was sown into the heart. Uh, when he's referring to the wayside ground. And what that does is it helps us to connect with the idea that, hey, wait a minute, the, the, the heart is a territory, it is a realm, and I would say that the heart is a component of the soul overlapping upon the spirit and then interfacing with the physical heart that is also a component of the body. So the heart becomes the center or the seat of human intuition. It is our, our, our center place. And, and, um, but, you know, it's, it's in our non-physical component, primarily soul realm, and I would say associated with the human subconscious. And so that there's, there, there are overlaps and, and connections into the spirit that are involved in the heart. And, uh, but truly the heart is a realm. And so we find that there are realms that are established within the heart or using components of the heart or the subconscious. And that's when we run into things with survivors like inner worlds. And so we deal with these kinds of realms a lot. And, you know, one of the interesting things is when people come to me and they say, you know, I've been having these wacky dreams. And I say, well, yeah, you think you're dreaming, but that dream as a subconscious projection is actually an event that's occurring in your heart realm with your parts. And that's why it's a recurring dream because it's actually there as a place in your subconscious that is in your heart and you are dreaming events that are occurring there. And when we go and we actually engage it with the healing power of God, we can dismantle whatever evil constructs are. And then the recurring dreams stop. <laughs> you know, so this is one of the ways we minister to people. And oh, there's always cool breakthroughs where... We're getting. So anyway, we, we run into realms that are made of human soul matrix. And we also run into 
Um, elements of creation, right, uh, containing possible past, potential futures. These exist in other dimensions. We, we, I would call those timelines, and those are realms. Um, we, we find realms that exist as planets or other galaxies. We have found realms that are counterfeit, uh, completely counterfeit. And many of these are built out of what I would call stolen human virtue. In other words, you know, when there are demons on assignment against a person's life to make them angry all the time or to make them wrathful, there's a trade. And when a person begins to emit all of this wrath energy or anger energy or bitterness energy, the demons are actually feeding on it. They feed on that and they harvest it because we are creative beings. We don't understand just how creative we are. So when we trade on some of these things like anger and bitterness and jealousy, and we're always putting off all this energy, they, demons will harvest that and they can actually take it and build evil realms out of it and run <laughs> all kinds of operations from the spirit against the person. So we, we've, we've had this revelation that they build some of these counterfeit realms and um, or they take human virtue to evil realms and, and uh, use it for stuff. And so, you know, that's that's one of the reasons why the Bible has instructions like do not give place to wrath and things like that, right? And that we're, you know, not supposed to be in jealousy and envy and all these things. It actually says that those that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Well, trading on that stuff, you're going to be inheriting another kingdom. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So, you know, the enemy likes to expand his kingdom through what he can get his hands on, and, and he minds people. He's, we're like his battery packs. And so anyway, this will give you a little bit of a better idea of how some of the things work in the spirit realm. You know, there are these other realms we run into which is really really wild but you know they're actually digital realms and um I, i'm not gonna say too much obviously we we have a conference it's called the advanced spiritual warfare conference we got into some of this stuff and more deeply there you know i'm sure we'll offer it again at some point in the future if you want to know more about some of this stuff you know take that or yeah um anyway uh, we we have run into digital realms and and these exist in like they like they're they're built with quantum computers i assume and holographic computers and uh some people may call these beast computers um and and they they build these digital realms but somehow they're able to plug human soul essence into these things and uh, so we have had to deal with this because we we are actually having to pull people out of digital realms that are you know, but ones and zeros. It's really, really interesting. So you could think, you know, what were they really trying to tell us when they made the movie The Matrix? Just food for thought. Anyway, um, there are realms that exist as an extension of a believer's inheritance in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to really get into that too much in this program, but that there's there's more on that. I definitely got into this if you were present for our uh, mysteries of the human spirit conference back earlier this year and and, and so anyway um, I'll tell you what you know participating in some of the conferences and different things that we do at bride ministries really does uh, give you some some opportunities to hear things you're just not going to hear <laughs> under other circumstances anyway I want to now begin getting into keys so we've been talking about realms right but this program is called uh, keys doors realms and the kingdom of God. And and here's the thing, okay? If you have a realm, let's, let's say a castle, we're going to come back to our um, model here. You have this castle, you have a wall around the castle, and then you will have a gate with a lock on it. And, and if you have the right key or whatever, 
you can open the gate and enter the realm of the castle. You can move past the walls. And the spirit realm is very much laid out this way. And so what we have to understand is that keys actually are extremely important because keys will open the doors that allow us the access to the realms that we need to go into for whatever reason. And, and remember, there are realms in the third heaven, but there are also realms in the second heaven. And likewise, the first, And you know, you're not going to get into my house unless you have a key. And uh, OK, you, you know, you're not going to get into hell unless you have a key, unless you're sent there. But the Bible has this really interesting passage. We'll get into it later. It says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. <laughs> well, now, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm just going to pause on that. I just want, that's just food for thought. Think about that. Why would the gates of hell, that's a, a, a door, not prevail against the church? Hmm. Okay, anyway. And, and then there are these, these uh, you know, the kingdom of God, these realms in the third heaven, and, and, and we're going to get into this in a bit, but, you know, Jesus did say, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Hmm. So what we're doing is we're setting up a framework for understanding some very, very important spiritual things, guys. And uh, beginning a conversation on keys, there's a lot of passages that utilize the word keys. One of them is found in the book of Judges. And 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 I'm just going to share this story because it's a fun story. But, uh, you know, in, in this passage, what you see is the use of a physical key. Physical key. Okay, so we're actually going to look at how keys can be applied in a first heaven context, in a second heaven context, and in a third heaven context. Right now, we're in first heaven context key. <laughs> okay, so in... Verse 12 of Judges chapter 3, we, we find a story. It says, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud made himself a dagger. It was a double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. The Bible actually says that in parentheses. And then it goes on and it says in verse 18, And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he said, but he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. And this is really interesting because it's hard to see it right away, but this suggests that, as wild as it sounds, um, this guy, uh, Eglon, was probably a homosexual. And they were probably anticipating that Ehud was going to service him in some way. So they left so that the King Eglon could have his uh, private time and servicing. And, and so he's sitting upstairs in his private chamber. 
And then it, the Bible goes on and says, Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Now, this is interesting, right? What kind of message of God would you like today? Well, if you don't want to be Eglon and on the receiving end of this message of God because this is what happened. <laughs> then Ehud reached with his left hand and took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly and his entrails came out. Well, talk about a message from God, man. Um, anyway, the Bible says in verse 23, Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. And, and then it continues and says, And when he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, He is probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. <laughs> this is where you get this idea. Hmm. Was this guy, you know, kind of whatever. But anyway, uh, so they stand outside and they wait. And this gives, this gives Ehud plenty of time to escape. And they wait in verse 23 or verse 25 until they were embarrassed. And I, I chuckle every time I read that because the Bible the Bible references real humanity. I mean, these people had major issues. There, there's been all kinds of stuff and sexual stuff and perversion, different, gone. But the Bible is so discreet in the way it talks about it. <laughs> but it's there. It's there. And if you read between the lines, you see, you know, they were embarrassed. They're like, okay, come on now, seriously. And still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key. There it is. And opened them. So there's a key in the natural room. You say, Daniel, well, that's a dumb moment. Obviously, there's a key in... What, what do you, what's your point, man? You use a key to open a door. Yeah, you do. You use a key to open a door. Duh. So you have keys for the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. All I'm trying to say is that this is all biblical. <laughs> for those of you that love to try to find a reason why I'm unbiblical, right? So I'm actually taking you through the whole thing. First heaven key, second heaven key, third heaven key. This is your first heaven key. They used the key and opened the doors. And there their master was fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone image and escaped to Syrah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains and he led them. Then he said to them, follow me for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites into your hands. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. At that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest for 80 years. Praise God. So there's your uh, first heaven key. Now, we're going to transition here because there's another passage in the Old Testament that references the term key. And it's a twofold in interpretation. There is a physical key component and there is a spiritual key component. So watch what happens here. Isaiah 22, 22 says, The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder. So he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut, and no one shall open. So in the natural, at this time, Isaiah is prophesying, and uh, he's referring to a guy, this is actually a physical person, by the name of Eliakim, who is the son of a man named Hilkiah. 
And and this guy actually succeeded another person named Shebna. And he became finance minister for King Hezekiah. And as finance minister, they would have the key of the house of David. Because Hezekiah was a descendant of the, you know, house of David or whatever. And um, so this is what's going on. And so this prophecy had a fulfillment. Of course, Isaiah was right. And, and, and he was right within that time frame. The prophecy was fulfilled as accurate. But then there's this amazing prophetic tie-in. An amazing prophetic tie-in because this, this person who receives the key of the house of David is in the physical at that time named Eliakim, but in the spiritual throughout all time named Jesus. And in, in delivering the message to the church of Philadelphia, this is what we read in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now, this passage in Revelation is not talking about Eliakim, although Isaiah was talking about Eliakim. But the actual application of the one who has the key of David, or the key of the house of David, is to Jesus by the time we arrive at the book of Revelation. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is, look, it is a biblical thing to understand that keys are both physical and spiritual. And we're actually sliding right into this revelation on Isaiah 22 and Revelation chapter 3. And, um, you know, again, what do you use a key for? You use a key to open a door or a gate or some other kind of thing. Why would you open a door or a gate or some kind of other thing? Because it leads to a realm. <laughs> leads to a realm and which if you're going to go into the realm you need the key okay so with that said um we have uh keys to our own doors and this is going to come as a shock to some people maybe maybe not i don't know but uh, okay Let, let's just put it this way uh, we have to open our door to Jesus, right? The Bible says, um, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's not this idea of universalism that gets applied to the finished work of Jesus Christ, that everybody is just saved because God is good and he loves people. No, we all have a door that we have to actually surrender the key to if, if Jesus is going to come into our lives. So the Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? So there are these doors to our lives. And, and um, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So, you know, we can turn over keys to our lives to people or to spirits. And we don't always necessarily turn over a master key. Sometimes we can turn over a key that allows limited access. It's really interesting, right? Because 
And, and anyone that's worked with Jesus knows that they may turn over the key of selfish ambition to Jesus, but they did not turn over the key of self-hatred to Jesus. So there's a whole compartment of their lives or their heart, that self-hatred, which they don't want Jesus to deal with or talk about or touch, but they did get far enough into this thing to turn over the key to um, selfish ambition and surrender that area of their life to Jesus. So sometimes Jesus comes in and sups with us in certain areas of our lives, but cannot sup with us in other areas of our lives. And sometimes other areas of our lives are surrendered. We give someone else a key to that area of our lives, and Jesus does not have the key. Like that um, ungodly relationship, we may have given a person a key to a piece of our heart, and we won't let God into that piece of our heart because we know that if he moves in, but that wrong relationship is there, he might move the other person out. I don't want to give up my girlfriend that I'm not supposed to be with, or I don't want to give up my boyfriend that I'm not supposed to be with. Well, yeah. So what I'm getting at is that we have keys. And, and yes, is there a master key? There is. But, you know, most of us, we, we give out these partial keys, limited access keys. It, it's, it's really interesting. So Jesus says, well, I'm going to stand at the door and knock. And uh, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and die with him and he with me. And, you know, Paul exhorts us that Christ should dwell in our heart by faith. And that, that is a journey of, like, by faith, turning over every area of our heart to the influence of Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so... We have keys to our own doors, um, and uh, that, that, that's, that, that, that's a component of this conversation. Anyway, like I said, we are realms, our heart is a realm, our spirit is a realm. You know, when we are initially saved, you know, we, we are giving Jesus access to our spirit, and that's how the Holy Spirit comes into our spirit, so that once we're saved, the Bible can say in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Uh, we have to open the door to God. But what people don't realize is that, well, yeah, if we open to the, you can open the door to any kind of thing. People have opened the door to Mammon. People opened the door to Poseidon. People opened the door to Leviathan. People opened the door to Lucifer. Or people can have the door of their lives opened to them, for them, through generational iniquity or rituals that were performed on them. And uh, oftentimes when people are having rituals performed on them, the consent for those rituals is being uh, given by the parents. And that enhances the legal access for these powers of darkness to a person. And we deal with this level of conflict all the time as well. And so anyway... Um, just understanding these principles is the key, right? And, and what are we talking about? We're talking about keys, doors, and realms. You have keys that are natural keys in the first heaven. Then you have spiritual keys. Uh, there is um, one who holds the key of the house of David. That's Jesus. But we're also talking about the idea that we as realms and persons have keys to our own lives that we can give either to Jesus or other spirits. And sometimes when we're unfortunate enough to have certain things going on in our lives or background or past, the, the keys were actually distributed by others on our behalf. And, and that's, that's where God needs and works to bring justice through ministry and application of the finished work of Jesus Christ, which is what I'm in the business of doing for people. So anyway, 
Uh, moving on from this conversation, we're going to start talking a lot about third heaven keys. So when, when we talk about this, we go to Matthew 16, 19. It's amazing. Jesus says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, uh, in the amplified version of this same passage, it reads this way, which is actually more accurate to the original Greek. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind or declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be whatever... Um, what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose or declare unlawful or lawful on the earth uh, must be what is already loosed in heaven. Now, why would it use this language? You know, and, and, and there's an application of this in like deliverance where you say, I bind you devil in the name of Jesus, or I bind you demons in the name of Jesus. And then, you know, that does work, right? Um, the chains will go on the demons or whatever and, there's a whole conversation we can have about that. But, you know, in a general sense, Matthew 16, 19, what we're learning is that the binding and loosing that happens relative to the distribution of the keys of the kingdom happen in accordance with what is bound or loosed already in heaven. Why would it read that way? Well, the truth, guys, is that heaven is unlocked to earth with keys. Heaven is unlocked to earth with keys. And I talk a lot about why kingdom citizenship and, you know, moving in the earth as a kingdom citizen involves extracting resources and help and um, financing and blessings from the realm in which God is king. We're living out of the abundance of God's realm. But see, here's the deal, right? One of the things that we have to understand about this principle this this whole conversation is that look most christians do not experience this at all when i say yeah you can live life out of the abundance of heaven itself people just look at me and their eyes kind of glaze over and they review a lifetime of evidence that says something completely contradictory to what i just said it's like well that's not true because this happened and that happened in my life and I remember when God let me down over there and this never worked out and that never manifested and I prayed into that one and it didn't work out and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, they go into their slop bucket Christianity and they dismiss what I say and they say, oh, that ah, kingdom now theology or whatever you're doing, this, 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 you know, that, that sounds like dominionism and this, whatever. And, and, and people go back into their religious um, approach, which, which, which is really good for reinforcing um <laughs> their futility uh, or their feelings of futility and uh it justifies a, a life of 
lack and less than and and a life lived beneath our level of inheritance you know and 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 i really work to get people out of that but one of the things that we need to understand is that look revelation does not work apart from application of mechanics Revelation does not work apart from application of mechanics. So I could say you're supposed to live out of the abundance of heaven's resources all day long. But if you never actually begin to move in the mechanics required to live that way, it's, it's going to only remain a concept. It's not going to be a manifestation. And, and, and what I want to tell you today is that heaven is unlocked to earth with keys. So the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is the realm in which God is king. And like I said, if you have a castle that's a realm and has a wall around it and there's a gate, that gate is going to have a lock. And if you have the key to that gate, you can unlock the gate and enter in. But in order to enter that gate, you first need the key. And here's the deal, right? When Jesus is talking about giving the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he didn't give anybody any keys physically. Nobody got a physical key like they used in the story of Ehud, right? No, no physical keys. So, so what is Jesus talking? Well, he's talking about a spiritual key. For what? A spiritual door. For what? A spiritual realm. And, um, you know, th- of course, we have to understand that whatever God has, the devil copies, so if God has a kingdom and a realm and keys that unlock his kingdom, the devil's going to have a realm and keys that unlock his kingdom. That's just what happens. There's a genuine, there's a counterfeit, there's good, there's bad, there's light, there's dark. And so what we learn um, about the mechanics of one kingdom often can be applied to understanding how the other works. And so anyway, uh, this sets up a pattern. And God does not give physical keys. He gives these spiritual keys. So what are the keys of the kingdom? And, you know, in in a very simple sense, folks, and this is where we can ground some of this out, keys can be as simple as scriptures in the Bible that we are supposed to confess. And when we take a scripture in the Bible and meditate it and confess it and speak it, and take it into our spirit in order to give birth to it, we are essentially unlocking the kingdom and we are unlocking heaven to earth with the word of God. It's actually not that deep. (laughs) Wait a minute. You said all of that to say that we're supposed to speak the word of God? And and folks, you know, I know that there are people out there. They they just want to think I'm like so weird, but I'm not that weird. I'm kind of weird, but I I mean, you know, there's a grounding that happens in all of this, guys. I'm not here to tell you something that's going to take you way off base. I want to better help you understand why what works works and why what doesn't work doesn't work and how to get breakthroughs in the areas you didn't figure out how to yet. You know, so, so some of these keys are, are the word of God. It's the scripture. It's when we own it, when we confess it, when we attach faith to it and we birth it into this natural realm. Um, but, you know, then, then it does go deeper, right? So we have a, a, one application of this revelation. And now there's another application of this revelation. Okay. A, a key 
can be a revelation that is a strategy for life or business. The Bible says in Proverbs 8.12, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. So what happens is that sometimes as we are engaging in relationship with God, God will give us a key that is an idea or an invention or a principle that we are then to take into this world and apply with actual sweat and effort and work. And as we do that, it manifests into a business, it manifests into wealth, it manifests into systems that can change the course of, uh, you know, pillars of society. It is a, 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 a method by which God uses us to introduce his kingdom to the earth through revelation. And it it introduces wealth into our lives. It introduces promotion into our lives. This is why a life lived in partnership with the Holy Spirit is so powerful. Because you can actually begin to unpack into your life ideas and strategies and wisdom that's not yours. And it will take you far beyond what the world has to work with. Why? Because the world doesn't have the Holy Spirit, but you do. If you're saved and a follower of Jesus Christ and, 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 you know, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and, um, you know, um, I mean, I personally believe that wisdom can also manifest as an angel as well, but you, you, you know, the Holy Spirit is even in the host of heaven. So, so anyway. Enough said on that. The uh, the idea is that, look, partnering with the kingdom, God can give us keys that are revelations that we can apply as strategies for life or business. And and this is where being, being uh, prudent and being responsive to God comes in. Because, see, if God knows you're lazy and you don't do, you don't apply yourself to productivity, He's not going to give you something that you're just going to sit on. Or he will, but he'll give you something very small. And he'll look at that and he'll say, okay, here's a small thing. Let's see what you do with it. If you are faithful in what is little, then we can move into ideas and inventions and concepts that will have global impact. He's just not going to, if you are a lazy person and you live like a bum, you're not a bum, but you live like one and you know it's true. I, I recommend repenting because you want to put yourself in alignment with a posture that's going to allow God to give you what he designed you to walk in. Like, you know, but you got to prove yourself with faithfulness sometimes. This is all biblical principles. Like, you know, some people say, well, God never gave me nothing. Well, but the little bit that he did to give you, you did nothing with. So stop complaining and apply your life to productivity. Be fruitful. Get off your couch for a little while. You know, do something. Anyway, um, productivity is not measured in the amount of YouTubes and podcasts you can consume in a 24-hour period, week after week after week. Eventually, there comes application where you have to add value to this world on behalf of God's kingdom. Okay. Keys... 
Now we're going to move to another level. So, so I, you know, I told you the keys can be as simple as scriptures that we confess. They can be revelations that are strategies that we could apply to life or business. Keys can also have a substance in the spirit realm and appear like actual keys. And, and, and this level of the revelation is amazing, right? So these keys will be given to our human spirits. Now, if your spirit is completely shut down, it's unlikely that God is distributing keys to your spirit for higher level operations and functions. Um, but I'll tell you what, the people that I work with whose spirits are ministered to and empowered are receiving keys that give them access to areas of the spirit realm, areas of their own inheritance that the person did not formally have access to. And, you know, there is an agenda of the enemy to, to say ministry to the human spirit is of the devil. No, the devil does not want ministry to the human spirit. <laughs> and it's, that was, I mean, this thing, I'm just going to tell you, it's pure deception. Look, God wants us to be whole. According to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, spirit, soul, and body. And when our spirit is whole and active in Christ, doing our assignment as a citizen of God's kingdom, we can begin to operate on, on much higher levels than the soul can ever achieve. And the spirit is capable of receiving keys to navigate the spirit realm. Now, these keys will be given to the human spirit. Now, I, let me give you an example of how this works. I, I was working with someone the other day. And I was, I was talking to their spirit and I was saying, hey, you know, so-and-so spirit. And they're talking to me and the person's having this, this glory cloud moment. And, and, and I'm saying, you know, um, have you seen your storehouses in heaven? And, and the spirit was a little bit confused at first. And then they said no. And, and this person's human spirit had not been very active during their life. It was for different reasons, had been shut down, this whatever. And and so I said, Well, do you need a key to access it? And then the revelation came immediately. Yes. I said, Lord God, I thank you right now that so and so spirit is receiving the key that will unlock the realm of provision that they have not had access to until now. Their spirit received that key and immediately they were able to go to that place which was set aside by God for them but had been locked to them until that moment of ministry. And when the key was distributed, the door was unlocked and something was opened up into that person's life that had formerly not been opened up to them at all. And, and what I'm trying to tell you guys is that God wants to unlock you. <laughs> He wants what he designed you to walk in to be unlocked to you. But sometimes that needs to be earned. Sometimes that needs to be ministered. Like I said, certain things are just not going to be unlocked to you if you can't even be faithful in what is little. And sometimes certain things are unlocked through impartation. Like if I'm sitting down in a ministry session with someone... 
And their spirit is getting set free because of ministry that's happening. There's an impartation. Suddenly they have a key and something is unlocked. You know, there are different ways things get unlocked to us in the kingdom of God. So what did Jesus say? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is truly, for the keys of the kingdom of heaven, is the source point of all keys. But keys can be ministered. And what I'm trying to say is, you know, some of you have a hunch or an inclination that you should be walking in things. And some of you have received a prophetic word about things you're supposed to manifest and you haven't for years. And you're saying, why won't this happen? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, well, it's part of it may be that you haven't received the key yet. You may have the word, but not the key. I'm just saying, you know, so it's really interesting how some of these things play out. And, and, and truly, uh, God distributes spiritual keys to human spirits. And so if your spirit is completely locked down with not a single portion of it available, like sometimes God says, hey, let me minister to your spirit first so that you can begin to receive things the way I designed you to receive them. Okay. <laughs> now, um, what does the devil want you to do? He wants you to say, hey, <laughs> my spirit needs no ministry because I don't have a spirit. That must be Luciferian teaching or something crazy like that. Anyway, um, all right. These keys relate to individual lives. <laughs> but let me tell you something about the way keys work in the kingdom of God. The, the keys are designed to unlock heaven to earth. Meaning that God wants to unlock his resources and governmental influence into the earth. So, so keys are not only for individual lives. The keys can also unlock corporate destinies for businesses or churches or even governments. Keys can unlock entire geographies. Keys can be applied to land or time. Oh. Lord have mercy. Inheritance. Keys can be applied to all these different things. Uh, uh, keys unlock alignment. Right? So when we say whatever is bound on earth must be that which is already bound in heaven, what we're saying is the key is unlocking an alignment so that what heaven has determined is bound is now being manifested into the earth and there is a follow through. Because heaven and earth are not in alignment. Same thing. The certain things are supposed to be loosed into the earth. Maybe like your financial breakthrough. But it's not manifested, and, and it takes the key to unlock the realm so alignment can manifest. So, so Jesus is actually saying, look, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven so that by applying these keys, what is bound in heaven will be bound in the earth, and what is loosed in heaven will be loosed in the earth. You are supposed to unlock heaven into the earth. And the standard regarding binding and loosing, against which binding and loosing is executed, is determined by the king in heaven. Remember, anytime we're talking about a kingdom, we're talking about a government. And this government of heaven is a monarchy, and there is a king who sits on the throne, and it is God. And so the standard against which binding and loosing is executed 
is what has been determined by that king in heaven. Now, I'm going to make a little note here, but I'm not going to go too deep into this because it's a whole other conversation. But truly, determinations um, that are made as a result of what occurs in the courts of heaven will be issued as decrees. And, 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 and some of these decrees that are issued actually do come in response to our ministry in the courts of heaven. So there are determinations, there are decrees, there are books that are in heaven. Um, there are activities that occur around these different things. But whatever is established there is what we are to be unlocking into the earth. And uh, I'm just going to pause there on that because, again, I'm not here to go into a whole tree of ties on that conversation today. What I'm saying, though, is, uh, look, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind or declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose or declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. Luke 16.10 says, He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much, and he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust and also in much. Again, sometimes things that are components of our inheritance are still locked because we have not fulfilled faithfulness. And so we can't receive a key for some of the bigger things we're supposed to be walking in yet. Um, with that all said, there's this other passage in the book of Revelation 1.18. And it says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen and have the keys of hell and death. Now, in the beginning, I was talking about realms. And I said, you know, there's first heaven realms, second heaven realms, third heaven realms, right? And so Jesus gives us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. But then he says in Revelation 1.18, I also have the keys of hell and death. Now, hell and death are second heaven realms. So I told you, I said, I'm going to take you through the gamut. We're going to talk about first heaven keys. We're going to talk about second, second heaven keys. We're going to talk about third heaven keys. First heaven keys, well, that comes in Judges chapter 3, right? So we're still in the Bible. I'm not that weird, just kind of weird. Okay, then we talk about Matthew 16, 19, right? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. That's third heaven keys, right? But now we're in Revelation 1.18. We're talking about second heaven keys, the keys of death and hell. Now, why would Jesus need these kinds of keys? Well, one, because he is the resurrection. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. I never thought that things would work the way I have discovered they actually do work. I never thought that. You know, I, I always thought that people just live a life, they're just a person, and then they die and they go to heaven or hell, and that's just, you know, simple. Easy. 
Until I started finding that people's inheritance and lives and parts of their humanity were locked up in all these different realms throughout the second heaven, I call them regions of captivity. Um, we actually talk about this in our spiritual warfare class, so I'm not going to get into it here, but, you know, like I said, hopefully, you know, some of you listening to this say, wow, there's so much more I wish you would have talked about. Take advantage of some of our special courses and conferences, you know, that's why, that's why we make them. You can't explain everything all at once. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I, and, and then I began to find, you know, some of these realms include hell. And I started finding parts of people that were alive on earth who had been taken to hell and were in prisons in hell, but yet they're in a body alive on earth. But it's just a piece of their broken, fragmented soul that's in hell. I've even met pieces of broken spirits that are in hell. It's it's really sad, but the person's alive on the earth. It's It's been um, what I, I never expected that would be the way it is, but it is. And so... What I've found is that in ministering to people, right? Some people say, oh, my life is just hell. You know, I, I always thought that was an expression until I realized, no, truly some people have parts of them that are in hell and so life is hell. <laughs> and, and it's so much more than an expression. It's a statement of fact and an actual reality. And what we, we found is that the angels and Jesus will many times uh, go into hell itself to deliver pieces of a person's fragmented soul that has been trafficked to that realm of the second heaven in order to provide torment to the individual in a residual way. And they'll be liberated and taken back, ministered to. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go and have the Lord break pieces of people out of hell that are alive. So, Jesus has the keys of hell and death. What's going to come as a radical revelation to some of you guys is that your spirits, once activated to a greater capacity and a greater level of wholeness, will receive keys from Jesus for realms like hell and death or other places to go there and to set the captives free along with the angels of the Lord because you are on assignment with Jesus to set the captives free and that ministry comes under your jurisdiction. As a matter of fact, what I figured out years ago is that God had given me keys for realms all across the second heaven because it was required for my assignment because I'm working with people that are imprisoned all across the second heaven in every realm and timeline and dimension and age, past, present, and future to infinity. I mean, we're dealing with antimatter realms for crying out loud. So God gave me all these keys, but I didn't get them. My spirit got them. And, you know, so anyway, I'm talking about this to, to, to what? Encourage you. <laughs> There's so much more that God intends to do with his body. And this takes me back to the verse I let you dwell on earlier in the program, which says, uh, yeah, Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, hell is going to try to take your stuff, to take the lives of people that are supposed to be executing kingdom assignment and ruin them behind those gates. And the church is supposed to go in and minister the freedom and finished work of Jesus Christ so that the gates do not prevail. In other words, hell can't keep us out. Boom, right? 
and it doesn't. So, so I'm telling you this because well, I'm I'm speaking from a place of experience and I've already done it, right? So I'm not telling you, I'm not pontificating here, guys. This is not a theory or something that you know. I'm well, I don't know. It may or may not be. No, we're already doing it. Like I'm doing it, right? I know other people that are doing it, and. I'm telling you because God may want you to do it too, right? So, so we're graduating into higher things, higher operations. I said years ago, I believe that the church of the last days is going to make the church of Acts look like kindergarten. What I'm beginning to describe in a program like this is why. And for some of you that are very religious and staunch, it's going to be very uncomfortable to hear this and um, that's okay, you know, but... <laughs> My job is to shake things up, right? And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of personally over it as far as being uh, considerate about how people might respond to the things I say on my own program. You know, I'm just going to say it the way it is. And, um, yeah, it's going to help somebody. So I want to talk about a little story now. Uh, it, this was a, uh, a ministry session that I did with a person. And this was talking about gates in the second heaven. So we found out that this person had a problem with Antichrist. Yes, Antichrist, it, it is what it is. And uh, so we discovered that Antichrist has this dragon, and the dragon guards Antichrist. So we first went after the dragon that guards Antichrist, and we had to do a divorce and renunciation and kick it out of the way. Um, and of course, well, how did you do that, Daniel? You could use my free resource at bridemovement.com called Freedom from Principalities and Other Fallen Angels Prayer. Uh, so we use tools like this, which I've made publicly available. But, you know, uh, we had to get the dragon out of the way, and then we went after Antichrist, which was interfacing with this person. Now, um, as we went began to deal with the Antichrist, they began to see in the spirit, and they were seeing very clearly, and they saw him sitting on a throne. Now, typically what happens is that a, a uh, heavenly power will interface with a person, and they'll be like a replica throne. They'll, they'll be like... A, a, a version of it in their realm and then they will interface it so there'll be a version of it in the person's heart territory somewhere in their soul matrix and that's you know territory that we're needing to take from them and give to Jesus and so you know we're following this revelation and, and it's not so simple right because he's extremely stubborn and he's like I'm not going anywhere so I'm actually there on the phone having this showdown with Antichrist who's sitting on the throne but won't leave and does not feel like he has any, you know, reason to leave. And we're trying to pull on some legalities we thought were the mechanics behind what was going on. Like I said, I thought he was in their heart. And so if we just worked that out, but he was not actually. And we found that out later because some of these mechanics get very fancy. So, uh... I, it was basically a power encounter. It, it, we had, so there had to be a, 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 a showdown. And so I had to go into a really intense warfare prayer. And, you know, it's just, you know, I just felt this huge, you know, intensity in the spirit. And I'm just going at it, going at it, going at it, this, that, and the other thing. And 
after a period of time of that, the Antichrist got up off of his throne and said, this isn't over, and walked through a portal and left. And so what I knew was that whatever we were working on was not finished. And I was, you know, kind of tired by that point. And obviously, you know, this was um, over a year ago doing this. But uh, anyway, so the, the next step became to be, okay, where did he go and why isn't this finished? And so the answers from the Holy Spirit began to come back while he went to his realm. And so what me and my client did in the spirit, and mind you, what am I doing? I'm just sitting on my phone talking, right? But in the spirit, we go to his realm because we learn not only has he gone to his realm, but in his realm, there are fragments of the person that I am helping that are imprisoned and they are maintaining a legal right for Antichrist to cause them perpetual difficulty. And and they are in a prison in his realm. So we say, okay, well, we're going to go and see what's going on and hopefully we can get them. So we get to the realm and and. What's, what's happening practically is I'm on the phone and I'm just praying and speaking stuff. My client, the person I'm working with, is actually saying to me what they are seeing in the spirit realm. They're, they're actually giving me all the details. So their spiritual eyes are open. You know, Jesus said, you have eyes to see, but you can't see, ears to hear. Well, sometimes you can see. <laughs> when, so when your spiritual eyes are working the way they're supposed to, then you see the stuff. And so they're seeing... Um, where we're going and we end up at this realm and there is a a uh uh it, it's like a matrix or a um, force field around this massive realm in the spirit and this is a realm associated with antichrist and <laughs> i mean <laughs> you know daniel chapter 11 verse 32 says uh, and those that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits or mighty deeds. What I'm here to tell you is that uh, there are people in the world that are already tapping into mighty deeds. And um, some of these include executing great exploits in the spirit realm, which we've been doing for years. So this is one of them, right? So so there's this, this massive realm and, and uh, this force field around it. And, and uh, this is second heaven territory, antichrist territory. And um, we get there and, and all of these angels are sent by God on assignment with us. And so my client sees all these angels show up. And so then I actually know what's going to happen because God has already given me keys. So I, I actually could never go into the realm if I had not been issued keys, but because I had keys, I am able to go into realms when it's relevant or applicable to the assignment I'm working on. And, and, and for people, you know, if you're doing ministry in the spirit and, and there are pieces of people that are locked up in different areas, call on Jesus because he has the key to every realm. Even if you haven't been given like, you know, a master key that, you know, you can just unlock any kind of thing. Like Jesus can unlock it for you. If it's, in line with what he's having you to do or your assignment for the moment. 
So all of this is a partnership with heaven. And God sends all these angels. And what happens is all of these armies of Antichrist line up on the inside of the force field. They actually come out of the realm and they line the force field on the inside. And all the angels of the Lord are lined up on the outside. And it's quiet for a minute. But then what happened was I spoke. And by speaking, I activated my key. And I said, you know, I unlock every gate frequency, equation, cloaking device, force field, and defensive protocol guarding this realm in Jesus' name. So when I spoke that, the key was applied and the force field comes down. And, well, you can guess what happened. The angels of the Lord win. Uh, I'm praying warfare prayer this whole time. So I, after I did that, I was going at it, praying, speaking, blah, 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 this, that, scripture, 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 just going at it. Uh, and, and, and the angels are fighting and they're being charged up by the word of God being spoken and all this. And then there's other angels that are sent and they go into the realm and they break out of the prisons the parts of the person that are being held captive by Antichrist in his realm. And um, they get them out. And so we take them to God. And, uh, you know, ministry proceeds forth from there. Uh, the angels, after they finish defeating this set of armies, trashes a bunch of stuff, and then we just leave. Why? Um, there's nothing really else to do. It, that, that was a victory. We won the battle, and the person was brought into greater alignment with the finished work of Jesus Christ by the removal of their parts from that realm. See, see, the finished work of Jesus Christ determines that those parts of the person are already loosed. They are loosed in heaven, but that needs to be enforced in manifestation in the second heaven by application of warfare. And this is where faith people have missed it because some faith people think you just need to believe God and it'll just work out. And spiritual warfare and deliverance ministry, that's just funky stuff, weird. You don't need that. Well, you do need that. <laughs> because the finished work needs to be enforced and applied. And that's where a lot of the church, uh, particularly Word of Faith and some of these groups that, you know, I love dearly and think have really good teaching, but, you know, just, just missing pieces, have missed it. So we are enforcing the finished work of Jesus Christ. And, and I'll tell you what, it worked, right? So then there's this huge breakthrough. And, um, you know, after that, we actually go back to the throne room. What we realize is that a piece of the person, their heart, had actually been uh, spiritually extracted from them and relocated to another place in the second heaven that was in like this. It, it looked like a boar's mouth once we got a backup panoramic view of where the throne room actually was. And so they had cheated and they had established the throne in a part of a person that was not actually in their person where it belonged so that they could sidestep the possibility that legalities would be applied to get freedom based on that piece of the person being in them. It, it was so messed up. And so it required really intense warfare, but we won and we got it and we, we took that part out of the boar's mouth. And anyway, the rest is history. I, I'm just saying, um, look, there are keys and doors and realms 
And this is so important when we begin to navigate the spirit realm as citizens of God's kingdom, as children who have an inheritance in Christ, and as warriors and members of the army of God in the spirit. Keep in mind, gates don't... See, I'm telling you this as an example. This is an application. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The force field around Antichrist's realm does not prevail against the church. And what people haven't realized is that things that belong to them have been locked up in regions of the second heaven, like destiny, like wealth, like inheritance, opportunity. Their humanity has been locked up and stolen from them. What I'm here to tell you is that as you begin to partner with heaven, God will give you the keys you need to unlock all of that stuff and you, you will be able to unlock what God has stored up for you in the third heaven. And you will be able to unlock what has been stolen from you in the second heaven. And hopefully you won't lose the key to your car or your house because we have keys in the first heaven as well. Look, with that said, I'm going to pray for you. And I, I'm just praying for those of you that are listening and you say, you know, I need a key. Or the Holy Spirit is prompting you and he's saying, listen, this is the key that I want to give you. Well, I'm going to pray for the release of that key from Jesus. So, Father God, I, I conclude this program by thanking you for the mysteries of your word being unpacked. I thank you for the revelation of keys, realms, the kingdom of God, all the goodness and inheritance that you have for us. I thank you that you are mighty. And that you are abundant in power. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you right now for as many as you deem necessary. Issue the keys you want them to have right now. I thank you that they are receiving an impartation from heaven that will unlock to them blessings and breakthrough that has been withheld until now. I thank you that you are issuing keys that bring greater alignment to the lives of those listening with what is written in your books about them. I speak it and call it done in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Folks, with that said, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision, which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.